0: On this episode of The B-Side, we'll discuss the difference between Christian and Christian-ish teaching. Welcome to The B-Side, a Blessed Hope podcast where we turn over the sermon notes and answer those lingering questions. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The B-Side. I am Vince, and I'm joined by Pastor Matt and Malia. And before we get into what we're going to be talking about, I just want to set the stage So occasionally, a book comes along that is published by a Christian publisher, written by a Christian author, that is popular and yet isn't quite biblical. Uh, This doesn't have to just be books, it could be preachers, it could be um, YouTube videos, I mean, it could be anything. Uh, And so with this being a reality, we're going to explore seven ways to spot a Christian-ish teacher, and while we're going through that we're just going to give you some examples of how this pops up in, in preachers and how this pops up in, in teachers and in books. And so before we jump into that, though, we just want to establish why we're even having this conversation and why it's important for us to have these conversations. Right. So
1: so let's look at um, what spiritual discernment actually is. Um, I came across a really good definition, I thought, Um which is the skill of understanding and applying God's word with the purpose of separating truth from error and right from wrong. So the truth from error is what we believe, and the right from wrong is the how we live part of it. Mm. Um, And I I think this is important because um, every incorrect teacher is not necessarily a false teacher.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I'm incorrect at times. Um I don't mean to be, right? But but there are times when, when I think of something wrongly right. or even in the heat of a sermon, I just say something that's not <laughs> what I mean to say. Um and, and it turns out that that, you know, I said something untrue. That doesn't make me a false teacher. Right. Um but I am um, you know, I, I still am responsible for the way I deal with God's word, and so we want right. to be real careful. Right.
0: Yeah, and and I think that's a really good point. Uh just thinking about my own work when I was at seminary and and having to write papers and and being questioned about, Hey, saw this in your rough draft. This is what that means. Did you mean that? No, I didn't mean that at all. Um, And so it's just really easy to, to have those slip ups, uh, especially when you're, I would say it's easier to do that when you're, you're preaching because you're kind of in the heat of the moment, but it even happens in the written word as well.
2: Well, I remember once at a sermon when I was at Bethany, I said that uh, giving was a means of grace. What Mm -hmm. I meant to say is that when you give, you are giving grace through your giving. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I said was that giving saves you. When I say, when you say that something well is a, done, when you say that something is a means of grace, what you're saying is that it has salvific tendencies, right. and that's and, why I don't
0: want to go to your church.
2: And that's <laughs> and, and so I had to stand up there the next week and say, you know what, that, that was a mistake. Like, sure. that's not. Or actually, I think yep. I wrote it, but that's a mistake. That's right. not what I meant to say. And, and uh, because we do say wrong things. Right, yep.
1: and I I think it's important too because we're going to talk about some different authors uh, and pastors that are kind of prevalent in our culture right now. And so if there are people that you've read or listened to. I don't want to, to feel like we're calling you out and telling you that you're wrong and you're, you know, you're doing this wrong or whatever, but because I think that um, discernment is definitely a skill that we develop over time as we grow in our in our
0: walk. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference, and I think our culture needs to get back to it, between your ideas are wrong, but you're still a human being. You're, I'm not saying right. that you as a person are a wrong person. You're still made in God's image, uh, but your ideas might be wrong, or or this author's ideas might be wrong. So yeah,
2: and as we get into this too, just just to clarify, you know, I, I you know we're si- we're giving a lot of caveats for this uh, <laughs> because something like this can be misconstrued. Right, and, and because we care not, about these people. Yeah, we're, we're not suggesting that people that wrote these books or that, that that preach in this way that they're not Christians. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's that's above our pay grade. Um, unless they have specifically said something that makes it clear that they are not following Jesus, we're not right. trying to make any decisions right. or any proclamations about their faith. We're trying to say, you know what, there's a problem with their materials right. that you should be aware of. And we're not
1: trying to poke at you necessarily for, for reading or listening to right. them, but to just to help show you, um, kind of give you a model yeah. for discerning in the future. Yep. So, so let's Enough just, caveats, man. Yeah,
0: let's just jump in. So, seven ways to spot a Christian-ish teacher. Uh, this one is is kind of the, the whole point of the, the podcast, but close but no cigar. And by that we mean that it has this form or has this, um, it seems godly, but it really denies the power of, of the gospel, or it just doesn't have the power of God in it.
2: Yeah. I think uh, Timothy, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, hey, in the last days, there is going to be teaching and teachers that will sound religious. They will have a flavor of religiosity, but they will deny the power of the gospel. And and so that's that's what happens with some of these books. And they're close, right? They look... Christianish, they right. smell Christianish. They sprinkle they scripture taste Christian-ish, right? like, into their books. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but ultimately they they fall short of the power of the gospel. And mm-hmm. let's be clear, it's the power of the gospel where any kind of life change happens. Right. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about is that Christian living books and self help books are really close.
0: They sit on a razor's edge, right? Right,
2: because right. because you know it's all about trying to be. A better person, mm-hmm. right? And for Christians, we know that being a better person means that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. Right. Self-help mm-hmm. books say you can make yourself into a better person by following these easy steps or doing these things. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be really careful about that. Um, and, and so the power of the gospel is the power to change your life, the power to be mm-hmm. different, the power to be transformed into the likeness of God, to be more and more like Christ. And so um, a book that denies the power of the gospel is a book, frankly, that is not going to help us live the way that God wants us to live.
0: Mm-hmm. So the second one that we have, I think, is, is something that we see a lot, is scripture is abused, not used. And by that, we mean that scripture proves a point. It doesn't birth them, and scripture is sparse, and even if there is a ton of scripture, it's out of context. Um, and that goes back to it is desi- designed to prove a point. And so, Matt, you want to just jump back in on that yeah, one? Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I think that's a dangerous game to play. And this is one of the things that publishers will use um, and bookstores will use. Where do I put this book, right? Is right. it self help? Or is it Christian living? And if it's got a lot of Bible in it, even a little Bible in it, we tend to put it over here in the, okay, now it's Christian living. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all fine and good if the Bible that's in there and the scripture that's in there is used correctly. Right. Um, but if, if, it, if it's just used to prove a point or it's taken out of context or it only tells half the story, then that's a really dangerous place to be. And um, one easy example, and I don't know how popular this book is anymore because it's a decade old now now mm-hmm. um, but Joel Olstein's your best life now yeah um, that was a that book was so ridiculously popular it mm-hmm. was it was everywhere it was on every talk show you'd go into the Christian um, the family Christian bookstore and it would have its own shelf along mm-hmm. with a cutout cardboard of Joel Olstein in a suit smiling yeah. at you Here,
0: here's <laughs> my general rule with books this is not on our list but um, if every book that the author writes The cover looks exactly the same. Don't buy it. If
2: it's got a picture of him on it? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that takes away every T.D. Jakes book. um, But but here's the problem with that book. It quotes a lot of scripture, Mm -hmm. right? But it takes it out of context um, and, it, and it paints a very incomplete picture. It uses it to prove itself. Mm-hmm. So, Joel Olstein will tell you in that book that God wants you to experience your best life now. Who argues with that? God does want me to experience my best life now. Right. But then, what he does is he takes scripture out of context to say your best life now means that you have all healthy relationships with people, mm-hmm. that you have a high paying, um, good job. God wants you to have that, that you are physically healthy, that you have all of these benefits of being a child of God. When a quick read through the New Testament will tell you that Jesus is our model. Jesus didn't have healthy relationships <laughs> um, with everybody. His own family thought he was wacko. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I was
1: gonna say living your best life now. That like it's with Jesus.
2: Right. And... So so but but he painted he painted an incomplete picture and used the Bible to prove his point. Mm-hmm. He just used it inappropriately. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think a book that is very new, and I know is really popular amongst a certain subset of of guys, kind of my age. And I I listened to it. Would be Twelve Rules Twelve Twelve Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Uh, and and in that book, he quotes scripture a ton. He's a clinical psychologist. He's not a theologian. And is he even a Christian? It, it, you can't pin him down because in interviews he never says Okay, and, and so he kind of has this wispy like well you know God as a concept is very good and we should we should hold on to that and, and so he's kind of like I it's good to believe but I don't really believe it and so that kind of goes with the form of godliness but doesn't have the power as well right. and so he abuses scripture to prove his points and he puts it on par with something like the lion king so his analysis of the lion king is a chapter after his analysis of the genesis story and you're like whoa what is what, what, what is going on here yeah. dude i love the lion king but scripture has way more weight in my life than lion
2: king for so. any <laughs> listeners that don't know vince has a stuffed simba in his office
0: yep i've had it for like 24 years so there you um,
2: go. Wow. Any, any books to add to that, Malia? Anything that you're thinking of there?
0: Nope. All right. We'll move on. The, the third thing is that it adds to Scripture. Any of the books that, that claim direct revelation from God or claim to have a new authority uh, with Scripture. And, and the big genre that I see in Christian bookstores that I'd put in here is what I would call heaven tourism books or hell tourism books, you know, the books where, um, you know, a kid dies and then they come back and they're like, I saw Jesus and this is what he looks like. Or or an adult dies and they, they spend 11 or 90 seconds in hell and they're like, this is what happened. And um, those are kind of extra biblical. They claim a new revelation from God. Um, yeah.
2: I think that's a dangerous topic. I, I, boy, I feel like you probably just ruffled some feathers there. I'm sure I did with mentioning um, Joel Osteen, because mm-hmm. um, I know we have some people that really like Joel Osteen. Um, I just would say read with caution or listen to his yeah. sermons with caution. Um, and, and, you know, for Joel Olstein when he preaches, oftentimes he, he preaches a, if you are a thriving Christian, this is what your life looks like, and it would disqualify Jesus. Yeah. And any Christian life that would disqualify Jesus as thriving is probably not a Christian life we ought to strive for. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you, so I know I ruffled feathers. You do too when you say mm-hmm. things about like these books, because we have people, they love these stories, right? They make great movies. Heaven is right? for real. Heaven yeah. is for, yeah, we, we do these. And, and, and you know what? It's possible. Mm-hmm. It's possible. But here's where it ruffles feathers, and here's where it should be too far. When it tries to teach us something new that God has chosen not to teach us in Scripture. When when a book or an author tries to teach me something and say, God wants you to know this, but God has not clearly told me that in Scripture— then you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that book false. It is giving me new revelation. It's adding to scripture. Uh, you've, you've heard me reference this book before, but um, 88 Reasons Why the World Will End in 1988.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Right? That was a book.
2: Yeah. 88 Reasons the World Will End in 1988. And that was somebody taking the Bible mm-hmm. and, and, and using it to provide this brand new revelation. Well, Jesus very clearly said, hey, buddy, I don't even know. Yeah. Right. Only the father knows. So that automatically I can throw away as mm-hmm. not not something I want to to read or know about or not teaching. I want to sit under a big one for me here. And this will really hurt some people. I'm going to apologize up front
0: for <laughs> ruffling feathers and blunt. hurting
2: feelings. I'm just going to be blunt with you. It's the <laughs> shack. Mm hmm. It's The Shack. I know we love The Shack. It's a great story. But The Shack paints a picture And for some
0: people they won't even they haven't read the first edition, so they won't even they'll be like, "Oh, it's so yeah. good."
2: But but here's the thing, even if it was just a story, mm-hmm. it paints pictures of of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit that are a step further than the Bible will go. Yeah. It's sta- it, it it paints pictures of the character of God in the Trinity that the Bible doesn't paint, right? right? And, and we could say, well, if it was fiction, it's poetic license. I'm not sure we should be taking poetic license with the character of God, mm-hmm. but the problem I have even more so with that is in the first edition, in the preface, uh, William Young, the author, basically says, look, this is true. Mm. Um, he says, I wasn't there, but this Mac, this is a real guy, his story is a real story. This was told to me as fact, and I'm telling it to you as fact. So when I read that book, the way the author intended it, it is to read that book as these are God's words to you, right. these are Jesus's words to you, and these are the Holy Spirit's words to you. And I'm sorry if God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, if the Triune God wanted those words to be for me, they would be in Scripture.
0: Yeah, that, that's so true, and. I, I, I think for me when it comes to kind of my pet peeve in, in this specific area is the heaven tourism books is that so many of the there was a a rash of kids uh, having gone to heaven and then coming back and telling these stories and books being written and there have been quite a few of those books now that have been shown that the kids made it up that it, it wasn't true and, and another part of it is when you read those books, they are so filled with the cultural understanding of heaven. It's not even a scriptural understanding, but right. because we we blur the line sometimes between uh, what our culture says about angels, what our culture says about heaven, and what the Bible says, we read it and we're like, oh yeah, that's, duh, that's what I believe. And we have false, when we went through our heaven series, that was a big thing where we were separating cultural heaven from Biblical heaven. Yeah. Yep. So Absolutely. We don't need to, to to bang that drum anymore. But here's here's number four. I believe we're at number four. We're given a cheerleader, not Christ. And so this is kind of Malia's. Like <laughs> she's been reading all sorts of books, and this is this is her time to shine. So
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, so I would say that uh, the book by Rachel Hollis, um, "Girl, Wash Your Face," would definitely fit under this because. Um, Her whole premise to her book is, you know, you and only you are responsible for your happiness, and this is what you need to do. These are the things that I've done to be happy, Um, Mm -hmm. and I guess the thing that, that I have a problem with after reading it is just my biggest takeaways were there were a lot of I statements. It was, I did this, I did that. And never did she point you to Jesus or to seeking God in prayer mm. over something. But it was always I, I, I. And it was all about gaining more followers and building Rachel's kingdom versus building God's kingdom. And there's, there's just something that's, just so off about that, Um, and then one of her, her actual, her main life goal in her book is to be a media mogul, and so I was like, what is a media mogul, so I looked it up, and a mogul is an important or powerful person, Um, and I, it just goes against scripture so much, you know, we're supposed to deny ourselves and, you know, pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And she's saying, no, you know, go chase after these worldly things like money and vacation homes and power. And, um, and this is what I did to get there kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like she's just like, she's not saying, oh, follow Jesus. She's like, follow me. and, And this is how you do it.
2: And I think, again, to be fair, it's got that flavor, right? The flavor of godliness. Because it's it's the premise, like there's lies that women believe. Right. There are lies that women believe. Absolutely. Satan is the father of lies. He wants you to believe less about yourself. She says, hey, believe more of yourself. Right. Satan wants you to believe that you are incapable. She says, you are able. Try harder. Mm -hmm. Pull yourself Mm -hmm. up girl wash your face right. and get after it she just fails and if to you make you fall the connection. short do it again right that's true and it has a flavor of godliness right. mm-hmm. but it denies the power of life transformation which is right. not found in trying harder mm-hmm. it's found in the word of god and the study right. of god's word and the surrendering to god and the following christ no matter what yeah right.
1: and, and i get it like it she's very relatable she's very transparent i you know, I found myself reading her stories and 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 definitely relating to her and feeling a connection. And um, so I think that's why we have to be so careful about what we're reading and what we're listening to because whether we choose to admit it or not, she is in some way, shape, or form discipling us. Mm. You know, if you're if you're reading her book or listening to her podcast or whatever it is, and and whoever it is that they are getting in and, and discipling us in, in a small way. And so we just have to be yeah. careful. Yeah,
2: I, I think, you know, there, there's, there's something so profound about that. It's, it's a matter of like, well, why can't I read that and know? Right. right? Yeah. Know that it's just self-help and it's mm-hmm. not scripture. Yeah. It's not a Bible study. Why can't I just read right. it that way? Well, the problem with that is that by reading a self-help book, what you're saying is self-help book, disciple me. Right. Yeah. Author, tell me what me. to do. Yeah. Right. Let let me Show take me your principles for living mm-hmm. so that I can live mm-hmm. my best life now, um, right. and that I can do these things. <laughs> and and ultimately, you know, that's that's fine and good. There are some really good right. things out there mm-hmm. about um, boundaries and about you know um, rules for life. Like you know what, you need to exercise. You need to eat better. Right. You need to do. And these we things. should
1: do those things. Right. Absolutely. But, yeah. But
2: I mean, we need to understand what we're doing when mm-hmm. we when we ingest those things right. emotionally, mentally, whatever we're doing, we right. are putting that mm-hmm. as part of who we are and what we've learned and how we operate. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's good to have goals and to take care yeah. of yourself and, and all that. Absolutely. But it's the why and the what that's important. And then, um, you know, I, I just think you need to look at it and, and see like if the focus is off of Christ and on that person or on mm-hmm. something worldly, then we really need to, take a closer look and and
0: yeah well and, and so you, the book is about lies and I haven't read it so I don't know what the lies <laughs> are but I would just say this god is the author of truth and so a lie isn't defined by it doesn't feel good and so maybe there's something that you think is a lie about you that maybe is true and mm-hmm. and is something that requires you know some some ho- some spiritual work to do.
2: Well um, and and um you know, we, we were talking about this, Malia and I were talking about this earlier as maybe a future podcast or mm-hmm. um it's a potential sermon series that we flirted with before, but it's it's things the Bible doesn't say, right? Because right. we do identify things that sound like lies. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Oh well the Bible said no, the Bible never like like
1: nope, it's bumper sticker theology.
2: Right, right. Like mm-hmm. like God <laughs> will never give you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So if it's like you know, the the lie is, oh, this is more than you can take. Well the truth truth is, God will never give you more than you can. That is, no. that is so false. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God will regularly give you more than you can right. handle. We can't Why? Do anything because apart you need to God. rely on <laughs> him. His grace is sufficient. Yeah. Um, right, right. And, and you boast in your weakness, not yeah. in what you can handle. And, and there's there's just so many things like that, that, yeah. that if we're not careful, yeah. we're discipled the wrong way. Kind so. It
1: kind of goes along with that whole I am enough thing. And I used to really be on that train. And the more I think about it, I'm like, we're not, though. Christ is enough. Was that a thing?
2: Is that a, is that a yeah, book? Yeah, it's
1: it's not a book. It's just a, a statement, and I you see it a lot in on like uh, picture in picture frames and, sure. and things like it, that. Like I get why right. you would say that, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, like we're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we in yeah, that's Christ, Christ, I am enough. Yes. Yes.
2: Me and I plus Christ right. yes. is all yes. I ever need. And yes. I don't
0: know if if. If I'm speaking out of turn um, about this, because I'm not a woman, so I'm not necessarily super engaged <laughs> with female culture. But it seems like those things, those messages, seep into female culture way more than than for guys. Yeah. The, you know, I'm enough. I, I don't it's know. It's self
1: reliance, mm-hmm. and we have to be careful there because you know. I so I've been doing this study through Genesis, and you see over and over again whenever people start relying on themselves, bad things happen, and so. Anything that's pointing to you can do it, you've got this—the this self-reliant stuff. I get why it feels good, but mm-hmm. it's so it misses the mark.
0: And maybe it just comes at men in a different way. And I'm too in it to to see where the you know the I am enough right. statements are right. for men. But it's always easy we don't because, have time for this yeah. whole self-esteem yeah. talk because yeah. that's <laughs> we could talk about yeah the, the messages <laughs> that culture gives guys and girls that yeah. are not biblical. It's a whole thing. Ask, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> We're given a cheerleader, not Christ. Just try harder. You can do it. Here's the fifth one. It contains a, in quotes, new understanding of Scripture. And so the way that I think about this is all Christian teaching is hand-me-downs. There's nothing new to be taught or understood that hasn't already been taught. What we're given when, a new author, when an author writes a new book is a new way to approach it. It's that staying relevant— to a culture that's constantly changing.
2: Well, yeah. Think about right. my job as a pastor. Right. My job as a pastor is not to come up with new ways to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. If that were my job as a pastor, then if that's what I thought my job was, the church should fire me. Mm-hmm. Right? Because there there isn't a new way to interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture is what it is. It interprets itself. My job as a pastor is to remind you of what this scripture mm-hmm. says the context that it lives in to help you understand what it means for the way that you live your life. Yeah. So right? I
0: think if we were to time travel a pastor from 1910 and put him in our pulpit and just tell him, preach the way you did in 1910, he would say true things, but I don't know if our people would understand them because right. his culture is so different. Because we didn't so live different.
2: in 1910. Yeah. But, but I think, but my understanding of what I do is not to create meaning for Scripture. Right. It's not to come up with something new, a new way to to interpret Scripture. Scripture is what it is. The the canon of Scripture is closed. God has given us what we need um, to understand in Scripture, and then He has given the task to to teachers, pastors, everyone um, that can read and hear mm-hmm. um, the the the, uh, the ability to to figure out what that means. Not figure out what it means for me, but figure out what it means and then go live that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what happens is we get really popular teachers and books and, and pastors and authors. And what they do is basically they take an understood orthodox, orthodox meaning you know, the right way that it's always been understood by the church. They take an orthodox teaching and they change it. And they change it, and then they say, hey, this is this new thing, and they teach it like it's a brand new, like, hey, God revealed to me, or I have studied harder than anyone else has ever studied, and I now understand this in a Mm -hmm. way that nobody has for 2,000 years, and I'm going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, we know that's ridiculous, but yet when people do that, we buy it, and we drink it, and we swallow it whole because it sounds good. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's a couple of books that come to mind, yeah um, you know one is is uh it's an older book by now, but Rob Bell mm-hmm. love wins. Yep. Right. And, and living in, love, in
0: Michigan for 2 years, I can tell you that that is still a, a still, a, a still something that's echoing through Michigan.
2: Yeah, is love wins. Well, so so Rob Bell was part of the Emergent Church. There's another book, uh Brian McLaren, a new kind of Christianity. They're both in the same camp there. Uh, and, and what they've done is in these books is, is is they've said, "Hey, you have been reading the Bible all wrong." Mm. Um, And so we are going to tell you the right way to read the Bible. And as you read the Bible the right way, it's going to tell you these new things that you've never thought of before. And of course, for Rob Bell, love wins and, and Brian McLaren in his is here's one of the things. There's no hell you 've been reading the Bible the wrong right. way when Jesus talks about hell that 's not what he 's really saying. Right. Mm. There is no hell Jesus death was for everybody, even if you reject jesus forever he you 're still going to go to heaven because love will win, God is love, love wins and so mm. it 's this new way of understanding things yeah, uh, yeah. Jen Hatmaker um, you know with her husband published the Hatmaker Hermeneutic. Right. So for the longest time, all of Christianity has understood sexuality in in this orthodox way. That that homosexuality is sinful. We're not mad at practicing homosexuals, but we will state that that we believe they are sinning. The Bible clearly says this is against God's will. And and yet Jen Hatmaker says, Hey, there's a brand new way to understand this. Let me show you what these words really can mean Mm -hmm. in the Greek. Let me show you what they really can say. And and we can twist it and mold it, and all of a sudden I'm teaching you an new way. Right. To it's it's an, I
1: love Jesus, but
2: yep. kind of mm-hmm. thing.
1: And I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether we dilute the truth like 10% or 80%, you know, it's, it's still false.
2: Well, at some point in time, if you're willing to compromise clear biblical truth, right, I can no longer trust what you tell me. Right. Um mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's one thing, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it's like my kids, right? It's what I always tell them. I'm like, when you lie to me, it, it makes me question whether or not I can trust you when you tell me something else, Mm -hmm. right? Like, why would I just assume that you're telling me the truth when you've already shown me that you're willing to lie to me, right? Right? Um, you, you, you were willing to lie to me yesterday to stay out of trouble. So why today do I just assume when you say, trust me? Oh, okay, fine. I'll trust you. Yeah. Like we just, mm-hmm. once you've shown a willingness to break from what God says, it, it, it's, it's a difficult thing yeah. to do.
0: And, and the whole true and, and delight d- diluting it. I mean, that was always my, I hated true false questions in school because <laughs> they change one word and all of a sudden I have to hit false instead of true, even though 90% of it is true. Uh, and so, yeah, here is uh number six for us. The culture loves it, and, and yeah, you, you see, you just lit up, Matt. So I I'll let well, you I think
2: there's such a clear connection to the one you said before, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like okay, so so Rob Bell says, um, "Hey, all of a sudden, hell isn't real." Well, guess what? The culture loves that mm-hmm. because I... they're like, we get all of the good part of Christianity. You know, from, from a non-Christian perspective, oh, all the love and all the, we're supposed to treat each other, all of that stuff that Jesus taught, but we get to get rid of the hell part mm-hmm. and, and the culture loves it. Which
0: means I can live however, however I
2: want, I want yep. and I don't have to be on mission and I don't have to worry about my family members that don't love Jesus or the neighbors that don't love Jesus um, or Jen Hatmaker, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, the, one of the knocks against the church for a long time, especially in this culture, one of the knocks against the church is, you, um, you hate homosexuality. Well, we don't hate homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, We call that sin because the Bible calls right. it sin. You know? but, but we're very clear on that. They're like, oh, you hate gay people. No, no we don't. Right. Right. Right? But, but some people would be like, well, we would just get along fine with the church if they would just stop saying this. Right. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, we have a teaching that says, hey, we're no longer going to call this bad anymore. Right. We're no longer going to call and, this wrong anymore. And I think they,
1: they mm-hmm. tend to take that whole, well, Jesus ate with sinners thing and, and twist it. Yeah. Because, yeah, he did eat with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and here, here's, here's the, the thing about that. It, it's like the Bible teaches things we wish it didn't teach. Right. Mm-hmm that's always been true, Mm -hmm. right? You'll hear uh, myself say that. You'll hear Pastor David say that. We have that conversation all the time. It's like, I wish the Bible didn't say this because it's so hard. Mm -hmm. I wish the Bible didn't tell me that I need to forgive Mm -hmm. 70 times seven, Mm -hmm. but guess what? It does. Mm -hmm. And all of the sudden, if, and this should be a red flag to you, right? If all of the sudden, a new kind of teaching comes out, a book, or a sermon, or a pastor, a or preacher, or whatever, and a new kind of thing comes out, and and it is all of a sudden so popular with people that used to reject the church and the teaching because it was too mm-hmm. hard. That's a red flag that it is tickling ears and it has softened what God intended to be right. firm.
0: Yeah, and and I would just say this: the culture doesn't necessarily always get these things wrong either. Um, I you know think of a book like. Crazy Love by Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. Wildly popular when it came out and is super biblical. And so mm-hmm. it this is just to ask the question why.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? And and is it popular because it softened something? Mm-hmm. Crazy Love was popular because it made people think, man, mm-hmm. my Christianity should be worth more. Yeah. You know, Love Wins or the Hatmaker mm-hmm. Hermeneutic is popular because it makes people think, oh, God mm-hmm. requires less.
0: So the question really is, is it popular in the culture because God's sparking a revival or because mm-hmm. Satan's twisting truth? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. And, and, and I think there, that's, that's the, the key. It goes back yeah. to Timothy. In the end times, hey, people are going gonna, to gonna look for teachers to tell them what they want to hear. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, we soften truth. People soften truth because it's what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we have non-Christians that'll be like, yes, finally, a Christian that gets it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they'll they'll yeah. flood to that. And, and, and then all of a sudden it takes on a life of its own. Yeah, but then yeah. there's no
1: sort of like repentance that goes along with it. Yeah, You know, it's where Jesus said, okay, yeah, he ate with sinners. Um, but then he would say, okay, now go and sin no more. And so... I think we need to remember that. Yes, we, we love people, but we don't celebrate their sin. Yeah. You know, there's just such a fine line.
0: Yeah, and so that, that really transitions well into the last point. And this, this whole time we've been talking about what people are writing, what people are saying, and now this last point is what people are doing in their personal walk. And so the, the seventh thing to spot a Christian-ish teacher is no godliness in their personal walk. And so I wrote this sentence that I'm very proud of, And uh, (laughs) this is one of those things where it's like we understand that people sin and people stumble. We do that as well. But here's the dividing line between whether you should trust a a teacher or whether you should not. And and this is it. Are they consistently walking with Christ when they sin? Or are they consistently walking with sin when they Christ? Um, Like one is an—the accident is happening in both of them. But the accident for the person who's walking in sin is, oops, I— end up being like Christ today or um, <laughs> rather than, oops, I sinned today and I need to repent from that. Um, and so that's so important.
2: Yeah. I think there, there's one very clear example of this that always pops out in my mind. And it's, a, it's an example of a couple of things for us. Mm-hmm. Um, Glennon Doyle. Um, she's a, a blogist. Uh, Momistry is her blog and it's very popular. And she wrote a book, several of them, but, but about four or five years ago, the book Love Warrior was the one that was so popular and she was on speaking tours and she was in Cedar Rapids and the book was making its rounds, uh, through blessed hope. And remember we addressed it at the time, but, but ultimately what it came down to is, um, the book was Christian ish, right? It took scripture Mm -hmm. out of context. It Mm -hmm. taught new kinds of things. It basically hit almost all of these things, um, that we've Mm -hmm. talked about. But here's the thing. When you looked at her life, she was proudly living a life of sin, Mm. Not according to the way that she would diagnose scripture, yeah, but according to what scripture says about itself, what God says, um, you know she she pursued um, a no fault divorce with her husband because she didn't love him anymore. Mm. She loved him but she didn't covenant love him mm. anymore. And then she pursued uh, a marriage, um, a homosexual marriage with a woman um, that she did love in that way, mm-hmm. um, she thought. And so she, she left her husband, which is sinful. She pursued um, another relationship, which was sinful. And then she pursued it with Um, a woman, Mm. which was sinful, all the while teaching people that this was right. So she was sinning in that way, too, teaching people that right was wrong and wrong was right. And and ultimately, what I would say is, like, if you look at her life, that should tell you up front, Mm -hmm. right, that she's doing things that are contrary to what God says, but yet she's trying to tell you how God wants you to live. Yeah. And that's something that just falls apart just with a little digging deep and finding out. Mm Mm-hmm yeah and And I would say this too about about her uh, and I'm not angry at her uh, you know I, I think that uh, that she's proven to be a false teacher yeah um, but uh, but her teaching in that way is and, and I, I again, I use this word and I use it carefully because I don't want people to be confused about what I'm saying. I'm not saying this about her mm-hmm. I'm saying this about her false teaching, sure it's satanic, right mm-hmm. um, and it's corrupting and it is um it takes what god intended to be clear and true mm-hmm. and it twists it to try to convince people that god is wrong or to convince people that they can be good while being unholy mm-hmm. right. that's satanic and it it corrupted Jen Hatmaker, yeah, a right. um, Jen Hatmaker who I used to recommend to people to read. Mm-hmm. Um, I no longer can recommend that people sit under her teaching because of the Hatmaker hermeneutic and her move away from orthodoxy. Well, the reason that happened is because she decided to allow herself to be discipled mm. by Glennon Doyle, yeah. and, and and they they had a relationship, and 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 she was, um, feeding in to each other. And all of a sudden she was discipled by someone who taught her that this kind of lifestyle was acceptable. And so she decided that she would rework scripture to make that right. Mm. And and so we just, this goes back to Malia's point of why we have to be really careful about the teaching we sit under.
0: Yeah. And I think the through line for all of this is, you gotta know scripture to know when yeah. people are departing from it. That's
1: what I was just gonna say is how do we so how do we help people develop their discernment mm-hmm.
0: skills and and you just gotta be plugged into God, mm-hmm. be plugged into his word. I think that's kind of the only way uh sit under teachers who come to church come to church, be involved in small, small groups. groups, be involved with Christian community because that's where accountability happens and You're that's just taking where'
1: the words right in my mouth
0: that's where a lot of people um <laughs> you know even when I was first becoming a Christian where I was healthily challenged by Christians who were more mature than I was. And, and when I would say something in small group and they said, Vince, that's, that's not, that's right. not right. That's not right. what the Bible says. That's, and mm-hmm. we can't be afraid to be wrong uh, mm-hmm. by, you know, when we go to small group, because that's where we grow. That's where iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say this to, to close as well for us that, Uh, Malia's got one more thing I'll say this Malia will say something and then maybe Matt will probably say something Uh, but we didn't do we didn't do this podcast because we hate books or or any of that we did this because we care about you guys this is a staff that had had read close to 50 books combined last year Um, we did this because we deeply care about the written word and God's word and we care about your discipleship and this is just something that we have to address. It's not right. a fun thing to do, to point at teaching and teachers and say, Hey, don't don't listen don't listen to this person and because it makes us seem like we're party poopers and, and, right. and arrogant. Right. And arrogant. And right. we don't want to be
1: No. So. Uh-uh. Um just going back to uh why it's so important that we're reading our Bible so that, you know, we can be better at discerning things um, I heard actually a really good example I'm trying to think so I can give credit but I can't remember where I heard it but um, they were saying that there was um, this person there was a person that was working at this bank she started this bank and one of the big things that they were trying to teach them was how to recognize counterfeit money so for like the first month they did nothing but just show them you know real money No Mm -hmm. counterfeit at all. And eventually, at the end of that month, they finally started slipping in counterfeit money. Mm -hmm. And so basically saying, like, as long as you are, you know, deeply rooted in God's word, you're going to recognize when something counterfeit comes in Mm -hmm. because you're just going to— your roots are going to be so, so deeply saturated in it. And um, I heard another good quote, too. I don't know if you guys know who Kyle Worley is. Mm -mm. Um, But his thing is— let me see if I can say it right, and not butcher it. When you talk about the things of God in the light, you can stand on them in the dark. Mm. And I I love that because that's so true. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, people are so can spot fake Apple products better than they can spot right fake Christian right teaching. yeah. But so I just want to thank you guys. Uh, this you guys carried this and you guys did a ton of research ahead of time. And so just thank you. And we're praying for you as as a listener, as a church member, and we can't wait to see you on Sunday. And I pray that God blesses you this week.